The theme of the sermon this evening is reasons for encouragement. Would you agree that discouragement is a universal disease? Everybody gets it from time to time. We all get discouraged. And it's also highly contagious. You'll notice that when you get around discouraged people, you'll notice what happens is that you get discouraged. But it's also a very curable disease if you are a Christian. In our passage this evening, it says, Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. That's in verse 6 of 1 Peter chapter 1. That may be the understatement of the century when Peter was writing that. Christians at that time were being fed to lions. They were being burned at the stake. Nero burned Rome in 64 AD and blamed the Christians and persecution broke out throughout the empire. They were being tortured. They were being imprisoned. They were being thrown into the Colosseum and torn apart by wild animals. And Peter says, I know you're going through a few tough times. These horrors that were upon them were, I guess, equivalent to the horrors that we hear coming out of Ukraine at this minute in time. And just a few years later, Peter himself, history tells us, was crucified in Rome. And note how Peter describes them in verse 1. He describes them, them as scattered. It's not that they didn't like living with each other. It was that they were fleeing in all directions from the cities to safe places to try and survive. And so, Peter writes to them. And he wants to encourage them. And that's what we want to look at. I've picked out three things that encourage us in this passage of Scripture. And the first is this, that God has chosen you to be part of his family. Verse 2. You have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. People who are discouraged need to be blessed. And verse 2 is a blessing. Note how it ends. Grace and peace. Those words frequently used in the New Testament epistles to bring a blessing. And we recognize these words as a blessing. It is a blessing that is a home truth. We often think of a home truth as a criticism, as a, as a truth that belongs to you, but it's negative. But this is a home truth, a truth about you. Once you are reminded of it, can become a blessing. You belong to God. He has chosen you. You are part of His family. What is Peter saying here? He's saying your salvation is no accident. God chose you long before you chose him. He knew all about you, and he chose you. He took the initiative. 
Your salvation is not a fluke. It was God's idea from the very start. On what basis did he choose you? Verse 3 makes it clear. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Note that word, mercy. The fact that God chose you is based on God's mercy and not on your performance. You'll never earn it. You'll never deserve it. You couldn't work hard enough for it. You couldn't be perfect enough. It's just God's grace. It's just God's mercy that he says to you, I want you to be in my family. The creator of the universe says, I want you to be in my family. And you're not here by accident this evening. Just as God chose you before you were even born, he brought you here. And he wants to say this to you today. He wants you to know, no matter what happens, God will always love you. No matter what happens in 2023, God will always love you. He will never stop. And that's the first reason to be encouraged. The second reason is that God is working in your life. This is the second encourager. Not only does God choose you to be part of his family, but he, but he says God is still working in your life even when you're going through problems. Even though you don't feel it, even though you may feel God is a million miles away and you are all alone, God says, I'm working in your life. And he's working in your life right now, even though you don't feel it. Notice again verse 2. Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. God's Spirit changes you. He's always molding you, making you more like God. Jesus Christ is the world's greatest interior decorator. He's decorating you on the inside. And He's working on you on the inside even when you don't feel it. And why is God doing that? Let me give you two reasons for that tonight. Firstly, God is working to enrich your precious faith. Verse 7. These, meaning the problems, have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by far, your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. The purpose of problems, and you may be going through problems, and you may be going through testing, and that can take many shapes and form from health to the loss of wealth to maybe just the challenge of life, whether it's in your job or in family circumstances or whatever. And God is saying here that I am going to refine your faith even as you go through those problems. And the result of that proving of your faith 
is that you're going to be rewarded in eternity for a tested and tried faith. The reward is going to be long and long-lasting, while the problems you're going to go through are short and temporary. Even if the problem is one you've had your entire life, and you've had to live with it, when you take that in the light of eternity, it's just a moment. Peter says to the troubled church, God is testing and refining your faith. You know how they refine gold? They heat it up. They put it under intense pressure, intense heat. And as the gold gets hotter, the impurities rise to the top and they just skim them off. Gold is refined through fire, through heat. And your faith, it says here, is much more precious than gold. The riches you have aren't in your wallet or your purse or your bank balance or your stocks and shares. The most precious treasure you have is your faith. Perhaps you're feeling the heat these days. Perhaps you're feeling pressure. Well, take it as Peter tells it that God in these moments is working in your life, testing your faith, and he will strengthen it. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17, it says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. He's saying again, the short time of problems you're going through is going to result in the richest blessings that are forever. He says these hard times are just small compared to the coming good times. Because God's working on your faith. He's working on your character. And we need to know, each and every one of us, that whatever we're going through right now, the best is yet to come. That's the first thing. God is working in our lives, yes, even through the problems and the struggles to enrich our precious faith, and secondly, to bless us with precious gifts. There are two benefits to having God working in your life. Again, we find it in verse 2. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Two precious gifts. Grace. Grace means I'm richly blessed. What's a, what's a blessing? A blessing is when God gives you what you need instead of what you deserve. That's a blessing. That's grace. And the promise is here. God will bless even in the midst of the troubles. And peace. Grace and peace. What does that mean? You will have an increasing freedom from anxiety and fear because we put it into perspective. Whatever it is we're going through, we will go through and come out the other end. It's a short-lived experience in terms of eternity, and therefore we can have peace even as we go through it. This too will pass. I've often reminded myself of that going through troubled times. I've often reminded people of it going through uh, hard pastoral situations. And I said, this will pass. 
believe me, it will pass. Hold on to God tight and he'll take you through it. The deepest, the deepest desires of our heart will, should be that we understand the grace of God and experience the peace of God. And that should be our prayer for ourselves and for each other. So two things so far to encourage us. God has chosen you to be part of his family. Two, God is working in your life. And thirdly, and we've been hinting at this already, God has secured your future. Chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Let's just maybe read that through from verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. I used to have a, a trailer tent. We went off to the continent to have our holidays. And we journeyed down through France mainly, and on the way we'd stop at these uh, cheap out-of-town hotels normally in an industrial estate uh, surrounded by a high fence uh, and you parked up and uh, the trailer tent was there and, uh, you know, it was just hitched onto the back of the car and it would, the, we were sharing the car park mainly with the white van man in France who go up and down their service engineers servicing things. And if you look at their white vans, they have a tow bar in the back. And I have a tow hitch on my trailer tent. And I thought, hang on, this is a bit easy. David and Essie go into a hotel, have a good night's sleep. When they come out, white van man has disappeared with the, the white trailer tent. So I got a wee lock, a wee tiny lock. And there's a wee lever in the hitch. And there's a wee hole, and you can put the lock into the wee hole. And when you put the lock in and turn the key, it can't be brought out. And you can't, you can't lift the lever. So if you keep your trailer tent hitched on to the, to the ball uh, of the trailer hitch, you can't take it out. Except the white van man has lots of tools in the back of his van. Included portable drills. And they could drill that out. So I got one of those clamp things, those yellow things that you see the, the, the um, people use in the streets if you're parked in the wrong place. I got one of those, and I put it on. Uh, again, on the wheel of the trailer. I thought, that should do it. Then I thought to myself, that white van man probably has a portable uh, grinder as well that could grind that off. So I got another chain, and, and I put that chain around the ball hitch and onto the other hitch and padlocked it. I thought, well, if I get through all that, I'll just have to give up. Except I did think of a scenario where we could be on the campsite and somebody could come when we were away, and they could pack the trailer tent and hitch it and take it away. So I got another lock, and I put it in under the ball hitch, 
and that locked it. So that was two locks now to stop it being taken away. I had four locks to keep that trailer tent mine. And it was biblical. Because just right here, just what we have been reading, the Bible tells us that God has got four locks on your inheritance. And your inheritance is heaven. And God says here, there are four things that won't happen to you because you are going to heaven. And here's what it says. Into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. The fact that your name is written in heaven, the fact that you are chosen by God, the fact that you are loved by God is solid. That love, that promise will not perish spoil or fade. Think of all the things that perish, spoil, and fade. I know what you're thinking in the springtime. Oh, my garden gate needs a wee drop of paint. But it needed a wee drop of paint last year as well. Why? Because it fades. And what's more, that door that you've been going through uh, into your back garden, the, the, the bottom of it has started to rot. It started to perish. It needs replaced. And then there are other things, and they just get spoiled. Rust comes along and rusts it away. That's the world we live in. But that doesn't apply to your spiritual inheritance. Peter says here, God has given you this priceless gift of eternal life. How long is eternal? Forever. How much is eternal life worth to you? It's priceless. You couldn't put a price on eternal life. There's nothing worth giving up to lose eternal life. No, you keep it. Peter gives some good news. Once you've got it, nobody can take it away from you. In fact, he wants you to get the point so much that he emphasizes it four times in this verse. And the final one, the one that crowns them all is that your, your inheritance is kept in heaven for you. And that's where in the scriptures we know that our name is written, as it says, in the Lamb's book of life. And it's kept in heaven and it's not going to get lost. God's looking after it. And one day, all the troubles will pass. And to those looking from the outside as, they, as they, they see our lives fade and eventually we die, they say, oh, that's the worst that can happen. And we say, no, no, that's the best that can happen. Because we will journey on into life eternal. You know, maybe there's someone here this evening 
And the reason you have delayed giving your life to Christ and making that commitment is because you're afraid. You're afraid of yourself. What if I can't keep the commitment? What if I become a believer and then do some heinous sin? What if, if I can't hold out? I fall backwards. And because of all the doubts and insecurities you have about yourself, you say, I, I better not make that commitment. You know, when we say to God, God, I'm afraid of letting you down. Do you know what God says? God says, I've got news for you. You were never holding me up. You were never holding me up. You didn't let me down, God says, because I was never relying on you to hold me up. It's the other way right. God will hold on to us, and he will not let go. And he will take us through the trials and the difficulties and the pressures of life. And he will bring us through them to the end and our final destination. Which is the joy and the light of heaven. And skipping away forward in this passage of scripture to verse 12. Peter concludes, even angels long to look into these things. Angels in heaven wish they had what we had. And that is a living faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that will bring us to heaven. Let's pray. Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful assurances we find in your word. We thank you, Heavenly Father, how precious we are. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the precious gift of faith much more precious than gold. And that faith that you have begun in us, you will continue with us in the ups and downs and bring us into your presence in heaven. Thank you for the hope, for the grace, and the peace that that truth brings. Amen.